fantasy sports, news, analysis, and opinion. This is Key to the Game with Dex Dunford and Colby McKee. Welcome into episode 33 of Key to the Game Fantasy Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, January 4th, the first show of 2017. It's good to be back. We've got a ton to talk about. We've got NFL, we got NBA, NHL, maybe some World Junior Talk, if Dex will indulge me in that. I'm Colby McKee. The man I just mentioned, across the glass, Dex Dunford. Dex, how are you doing this Wednesday? New year, new me. I'm not cha- Actually, I'm not changing a single thing about myself because I'm already awesome. You are perfect, sir. In every single way. Right. Uh, so, you know, great, great to be back. We had a little bit of a break. Recharged the batteries. Getting back into the swing of things. Also, work was kind of, you know, like we had the time off of work and we're like, nah, we're good. Like, you know, playoff season has now arrived in the NFL. Yeah, you gotta recharge your batteries too, right? We've been going, we've been going pretty long uh, for you know the past few months. So good to be back, though. And leading right into our topics of today, NFL playoff time. Like I mentioned before, it's divisional weekend. Uh, there's been some, there's some good matchups coming up this, you know, the next couple of days. There's also some shitty ones, uh, led by the very first game there on Saturday between Houston and Oakland, that's going to be a shitty bowl. You better take the under if you're betting against the spread. Yeah, probably. I guess it depends where they set it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. it's not 22. boding well to be a very strong game. They got Osweiler starting, is that what they're saying? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and Connor Cook is starting for the Raiders. That's right. It should be fantastically not very good to watch at all. But it's really sad that one of these two teams is going to move on to the next round of the NFL playoffs. And then probably face, I'm trying to think here, they're both lower seeds. I guess whoever the lower seed is is going to be facing probably the Patriots next, coming off the bye, after their bye week. So that's the really tough task. Uh, Maybe they face KC, but we'll see. Um, The running backs in that game... I like Lamar Miller. He's one of my picks, I'd say, this week. Now, the ankle injury is definitely something to look into. Um, but, you know, the fact that maybe Oakland has to run the ball a ton to, to kind of counteract Connor Cook, maybe Latavius Murray, but that's a tough Houston run defense, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a good Houston defense all around. It's just Houston's offense that's held them back this year from being, I think, a really quality team. Uh, they're lucky that they get to come up against the Oakland Raiders sans Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that they kind of just, you know, they got a horseshoe up their ass or something because I I think that's the only way that Houston would have been winning this game. If Carr was playing, I think we'd be chalking it up as a Raiders win and let's move on to the to the next round, right? But now it kind of feels like it could be a close game and, and I would give the edge to Houston. Um, yeah, I like Lamar Miller. I like pretty much any pass catching options on the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh Witz looks like a good play in terms of his value on FanDuel if you're playing FanDuel. Um I like Hopkins. I like Fuller. You got the main two. I there. don't I don't like Osweiler. I probably wouldn't be stacking <laughs> those guys. But right. you know there's gonna be points somewhere in this game. Yes it won't be a very high scoring game. It probably won't be edge of your seat action, but there's gonna be points to be had. So you just got to figure out who's going to get those points. On the Oakland side of the ball, um, I, I don't know enough about Connor Cook to really trust that he's going to throw the ball to the guys um, in any fashion that would you know, amount to respectable fantasy points. 
for, you know, Cooper and Crabtree. So you're right. Latavius Murray is probably the only one that really piques my interest on that side of the ball. And I mean, a couple points there for the Raiders. So let's be honest. The last time we talked uh, two weeks ago, the Raiders were pushing the Patriots for number one seed in the conference. They were looking for that home, that, sorry, that, that bye week here in this first week of the playoffs. And then you're right. Horseshoe up their ass. They lose their starting quarterback. Then last week, put the backup in, McGloin. You know, he's apparently is a doable guy. He's been in the system for a while. Then he gets injured. Like, they've gone from such a high grace. Like, they were talking about maybe potential Super Bowl. I mean, that defense is kind of suspect, obviously. But they've went from, you know, such a high-powered offense to now we're starting Connor Cook. And they really have no shot. And, they, I mean, the Super Bowl return of Derek Carr, if they get that far, that's in doubt as well. I know people have been, you know, kind of speculating on that. But... It's such a terrible blow for this this Oakland team that everyone had their sights set on um, as a potential favorite there in the AFC because now it's looking like there's the New England Patriots and then there's everybody else. And it's really tough to see there for the AFC conference. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know much more to add there. I, no. You know, the Texans are going to move on. They don't deserve to. I don't even know if the Texans deserve to be in the playoffs. They're just lucky they got to play in the worst it's division It's that division. Football. And, I mean, Tennessee, we talked about Tennessee potentially winning that division. They lose their quarterback, and they lose, I think they lost the final two games. So they yeah. really lost their chance at uh, at making, squeezing in there in the final spot. So uh, that will be the, the Saturday game. So I don't know how, much of a, how many of us will be watching that one. Maybe... The night game on Saturday might pique your interest. Obviously, Dex will be watching because it's the Seahawks and it's the Lions in Seattle. That one uh, is interesting for a bunch of reasons. Seattle at home is going to be a great matchup. Um, That defense going up against Matt Stafford and a pretty good Detroit offense, uh, albeit the running game is a little bit suspect there for the Lions. Uh, What's some of the key points you like there in the Seattle-Detroit game? Um, I think you get... You know, playoff time, crunch time, Russell Wilson, which is where he's earned his big bucks and, and you know, put his name in the household of every football fan in, in North America. So uh, I think you'll see uh, Russell Wilson bring his A game. He's going to be passing the ball. I'm not, I'm not confident in their run game a whole lot. Maybe yeah, play Rawls in a GPP. Like, what's up with Rawls? I, I just know. don't think he's as good as he's, he was hyped up to be. He had a really strong few games last year, but he's injury-prone um, I I don't know if he's at a hundred percent right now. He doesn't seem to have you know the patient. Like if you if you were to look up patience in football running in the dictionary, first of all you'd have a hard time because it's more than one word. But <laughs> you'd see Le'Veon Bell. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have anywhere close to Le'Veon Bell level of patience. So if you were to look, if you were to go the other side of the spectrum, instead of patience, a really good running back would then need to have. Just hard nosed like running ability, like a Marshawn Lynch. That, and that's you just what, go straight downhill, and uh, I don't think he has that either. He's kind of in between the two. He doesn't really have a, an identity as a runner, and if he can't get going, then there's not really a whole lot there. And I mean, the injuries have really piled up for him this year. So he's had a really slow start trying to get back into sw- back into the swing of things when he has come back from injury. Uh, so I guess it's now is it not who's the who's the Alex Collins? Alex Collins? Yeah. So that's the kind of the number two back for the Seahawks. You're right, it might have to be a passing game, but now you're looking at the weather. I don't know what Seattle's weather is supposed to be like this week. And we're Rainy, about probably. Rainy, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the Pacific it's Northwest January. They don't get the snow like we do uh, as much, but it's going to be rainy. Um, but, I mean, all the passing targets or all the, uh, you know, the, the options for Wilson 
this week. Jimmy Graham's been pretty consistent. You got Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse. Uh, they just signed Devin Hester, uh, who could potentially maybe play as a wideout. Yeah, I imagine you'll only see him as a dedicated punt returner. Um, okay. They had Sherman returning punts last week, right. and it didn't look like it was going well. He didn't have a lot of confidence. It was basically fair catch and make sure you secure the ball. I'm sure they'd like to have somebody with a little more threat when you're punting the ball rather than just kick it right to him and, and take the fair catch. Remember the conversation we had a couple weeks ago, or I guess the last time we talked, was remember John Ryan got injured, and they were talking about uh, Russell Wilson or Jermaine Curse or another one of those wideouts potentially filling in at punter? Yeah. Whatever happened with that? Did Ryan I, ever I think play? he ended up being fine. Ryan was okay? Yeah. Because that was, yeah, I remember that was quite a story there uh, when we brought it up. Uh, I, th- I found that really interesting. So, um, yeah, different sides of the ball there. I mean, with Min- uh, with the Lions, excuse me, not Minnesota, uh, I like Stafford, uh, but going up against that defense is going to be really tough. Uh, more of a GPP play for you if you're playing uh, FanDuel in the Fantasy Week. A lot of talk of Zach Zenner, the, uh, the running back there. He's now kind of surpassed Dwayne Washington, um, but I mean... A lot of those guys. What's the stat? You you kind of found that the Seahawks give up a lot of points to wideout twos. Is that right? I think you like you like the Marvin Jones and yeah. one of those two. Yeah. So I mean, depending on how you look at it, and the problem with trying to nail this down then is that Detroit, whether you want to call them one A one B or two A two B, because I don't think either of them are a true number one wide receiver. Um, you know, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones Jr., they both have an opportunity to put up some points because Seattle, remember, they're missing, you know, Earl Thomas, their yep. all-star safety. Um, so, you know, they've been giving up some yards through the air the last few weeks, but they still lock down top guys fairly well, and they lock down tight ends fairly well, but they are giving up some points to the wide receiver too. So now the problem you have <laughs> this week is who is that? Is that Golden Tate? He has a history with Seattle, so maybe he he knows some ins and outs of that defense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's a few years ago. It may be completely invalid at this point. Um, and then there's Marvin Jones Jr., who has been so up and down all season long, it's really hard to trust him. But if you think he's going to be that number two guy and you think he might be the guy that's kind of lost in the coverage there, because that seems to be what happens, is one guy gets lost in the coverage, and if the quarterback can find him, then... Um, then he's in for a big day. Is Marvin Jones Jr. going to be that guy? Maybe even Anquan Bolden. Yes, Bolden's been actually, I mean, going back a few weeks now, very consistent, at least touchdown dependent. And when you do have him in your lineup, he's at least getting you maybe 9, 10 fantasy points, which is pretty good for that position at his price. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's kind of three options you have in that passing game, and I feel like only one of them is going to be worth it. I uh, think... So they kind of they feel like a GPP play to me. I, I, if you're going to follow that strategy, which is very good, I mean, you've got a lot of stats that back that up, I feel like the, the number two wideout that we're talking about is going to be Marvin Jones. I think Golden Tate is now kind of the de facto number one there, uh, just by his performances the last half of this year. Uh, Marvin Jones, you're right, had the, the hot killer start, but he's really fallen off a cliff, and he, uh, he's really struggling to get you know, touches and targets. Uh, the way that he was earlier in the season. So for my money, I'd probably go with that number two option of Marvin Jones if you're following um, those that information there from Deck. So uh, that's a nice game there for the Saturday night. Then we transition into Sunday morning. You wake up, you get your breakfast, big old breakfast, for the Miami at Pittsburgh game. Um, another good storyline there with the, the Pittsburgh offense definitely being electric. Uh, they rested all their starters last week against Cleveland. 
so they got a, a you know a week to rest up, heal some bumps and bruises. Miami was fighting for their lives. They've got Matt Moore, the backup in at quarterback after Tannehill went out with his. I don't even know. Like they're saying that he might come back. Tannehill, I'm talking about. I don't know if there's a, a de facto end of season you know, uh, report there for Tannehill. Have you seen anything for for him? I haven't really seen any updates. I mean, I'm sure they're not going to say something definitive because right. there probably is a chance, but, you know, they're, they're the Dolphins. They barely squeaked into the playoffs, and I'm sure they don't want to say, well, you know, if we make it to the Super Bowl, then that Tannehill will be back because that's kind of setting some unrealistic expectations for that team that likely won't even make it out of this first round. So, you know, maybe if if there was some crazy run for the Miami Dolphins, we'll see Tannehill in the Super Bowl. But yeah, I haven't really heard any updates, so I would just I would assume that he's going to be unavailable for the rest of the season. They're they're riding Matt Moore. Uh, you're right for the foreseeable future. But I mean, I guess this matchup kind of comes down to a really great running back matchup. You got Jay Ajayi, who is also questionable with an injury, um, going up against Lev Bell, and I think you know. In terms of FanDuel pricing, Lev Bell is the cream of the crop this week. Yeah. And then there's everybody else below him. And it's going to be really difficult, uh, you know, in my opinion, to try to get Lev Bell in your lineup with the, with the amount of talent that is all spread out this week on FanDuel. But See, you I, have. You I disagree. I've made a few lineups, and I've got Lev Bell in every single one of them. Okay. I feel like he's the only no-brainer pick this week. I've been looking at quarterbacks, and, and obviously we'll get into more discussion, but nobody jumps out at me as like the guy you've got to have at quarterback. I, you can make an argument for pretty much any quarterback playing this weekend. Okay. Um, Other than Osweiler and Cook. Yeah. Let's let's leave them out. Maybe, well, maybe more. No, more actually. Maybe it could be a nice well, and here's against... Yeah, since we're, gonna, since we're talking about that game, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh gives up yards through the air. Um, they're pretty good on the ground, but they give up yards through the air. Uh, there's some good receiving targets for Matt Moore. Um, Jarvis Landry, obviously the number one there. He's a possession guy. If you're playing FanDuel, you, you get that half PPR as well on top of all the points that he puts up. That's an exciting option. I've got him in a few lineups. Um, you've got Devontae Parker, who's kind of the big play threat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he breaks loose, you don't exactly have to be, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers quality guy to to hit your open man if he runs his routes right. Um, especially with a defense that all season long has shown that they can't defend the pass at an elite caliber. That's um, right. They've, they're the kind of team that rides their offense. And I guess that brings me to the other side of the ball now is I, I like almost everybody on that offense in terms of, I like Roethlisberger. I like Lev Bell. Um, I like... Uh, Antonio Brown, obviously. Yeah. Um, you could even make an argument for like Ladarius Green or uh, Jesse James. Probably Jesse starting James. because Ladarius is still in concussion protocol. Okay. So yeah, I guess I like Ladarius more on, than Jesse. Depending James, on though. how his concussion protocol shakes down, if he's playing. But you know, there's so there's so many options on that side of the ball, and I I just I feel like this is not going to be a good game for Miami. But I still think there could be a lot of points to yeah. be had. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it it ends up being, you know, a two or three score finish, but you know, we're talking the over, right? Yeah. Uh, we're talking sixty points scored total or something like that. So And that'd be great for fantasy wise. Yeah, so. I think there's a lot of options there in that game and and I like that game and uh I've I've got like I said, Lev Bell in pretty much every lineup and I just kind of bit, have been working around that. What quarterback can I fit in? Um, it's what, that secondary running back for me 
it's that secondary back trying. So you got Lev Bell, great. Yep. Who is your second back to fill your lineup? And you I mean you're rocking Rashad Jennings? I've got Jennings in some. I've got Perkins in another. Yeah. I've got Rawls in one. Oh, I, really? I, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to fit in all these puzzle pieces with Lev Bell kind of being that centerpiece. This week is really tough on running backs. Like, yeah. In the fan duel pool, like I said, like you got your t- your high end talent, but then you've got a lot of question marks. You got, um, you know, Jay Ajayi, We've mentioned with the injury, we've got Lamar Miller there. Uh, you know, Ty Montgomery, who kind of had a, a not a great week last week in that realm as well. So running back wise, for me, uh, per, per, you know, personally, I'm having a tough time trying to get you know decent value from my running backs. Wideouts, there's a ton of good wideouts this week. Obviously. Um, So, you know, just a couple options for you to try to fit your FanDuel lineup in as such. Uh, And then, you know, finally, the granddaddy of all. This is the the one that most people are excited for, myself included. It's uh, it's Giants and Packers in Lambeau. That's right. It's in... Uh, No, they're in New York. Or it's in New York. No, they they should be in Lambeau because Packers won their division. But Giants... I thought, were Giants the number... No, Giants were not the number two seed. That was Atlanta... In the NFC, I know the the standings. Let, me, let are... me look because for some reason I feel like I was seeing on Fanduel that Green Bay was on the road, which doesn't. No, make I feel sense like Green Bay is hosting, and then after this, they will. Yeah, be I think, road dogs. I think that's right. So as Dex finishes that, I, we should probably know that before we got in here. But yeah, no, way, Green Bay's at home. Yeah, Green Bay's at I, home. I had seen somewhere today though, th- where Green Bay was on the road. And I was like, that does that doesn't make sense. But I kind typo? of, well, it, might, it must have been a typo, but it confused me, and I, I guess maybe I took it for its word. But yeah, Green Bay won their division, so obviously they're at home. Oh yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So R- Rogers, uh, he ran the table. He proved it second time now in a row, not in a row, but second time in his career. He's called out the haters, said, "Relax, we've got this." He runs the table for a second straight, you know, you know, guarantee. Goes six and zero, wins the division. Uh, some really excellent performances these past two weeks. Throwing for over three hundred yards and four touchdowns, rushing a little bit. Uh, for me, he's my quarterback this week. If I got to go a quarterback, um, I love Rodgers. I love him even more if the Giants' cornerback Janoris Jenkins does not play as well. Uh, just another threat to go up against that Giants defense uh, for both Jordy Nelson and Devonte Adams. To have a little bit more separation, I love him. You know, regardless, Rogers is probably my quarterback this week. But you can also make a play for Eli Manning. I like Eli a lot in that quarterback slot. You've mentioned Big Ben, Russell Wilson is probably a nice value play there in the mid seven seven thousand dollar range. So quarterback wise, I mean, th- this game is going to be you know insane. I'm hoping for it. Yeah, I think it's going to be probably the best game of the slate. Um... I I personally am not as excited about Aaron Rodgers as everybody else seems to be, which, you know, based on my history the last couple of weeks and how poorly I've done on FanDuel, that probably means you should roster Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I'm, I kind of like the Giants' defense, to be honest. Uh, obviously, you're right, Janoris Jenkins is, is a big question mark, and if he's playing, I give him a bump. If he's not playing, take a little bit off. But, I mean, that defense has been elite most of this yep. season. Um Aaron Rodgers, obviously, he's elite, so you know something's got to give in, exactly. in that game. So, uh, but you know, a, a sneaky GPP play might be thrown in the Giants' defense. I think Aaron Rodgers would be very highly owned if you're playing some fifty fifties. That might be a good option there. Um, receiver wise, I mean, Jordy Nelson was disappointing last week, but he's he's led the league in touchdowns all season long. 
Um, so he's got he's got that pedigree going for him. Devontae Adams has looked better and better the last few weeks. You know, really good. Both those guys um, are, would be very nice options. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, obviously you've got Odell Beckham Jr. Green Bay has struggled with wide receivers, especially top end wide receivers. They've been missing Sam Shields most of the season. Uh, so you know, and and Eli Manning, uh, he's not as good as he once was, but um, he's done a much better job of keeping the ball and and controlling play this year. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see Eli Manning pull out a win against the Packers. This Giants team, I mean, just the history of the Giants since Eli's been there, they're a different playoff team. They just something clicks. Uh, it seems like either they make the playoffs and they go to the Super Bowl, or they don't make, they don't make the playoffs at all. That's the way that this realm of uh, of New York Giants football has been since Eli's been there. So uh, they are a different team, and they are you know they're, it's a good good matchup for them. I like it a lot. It's going to be yeah definitely one of the highlights uh, of the NFL weekend coming up in divisional playoffs. Defense-wise, we mentioned, I think my favorite defense this week is probably Houston going up against Oakland. I agree. I think that's going to be the most popular, and I've been using them quite a bit. Um, Like I said, I like the Giants defense, but I'm thinking GPP because you never know what Aaron Rodgers can do to you. I also have Giants down as a GPP play, so uh, we do have the same. We like Fedorowicz, both like Fedorowicz at tight end. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned, you know, Sims out of Miami. Pittsburgh's probably pretty uh, lenient to tight ends wise, just to the pass game in general. Yeah, so, very true. Um, I've I like also Sims. got Jared Cook down. I mean, Jared Cook when he does play real big uh, is, you know, he's been he's had some good stat lines this past year, and uh, right now he's in a timeshare, pretty much fifty fifty with uh, Richard Rodgers. But Rodgers is becoming more of the, you know, the pass blocking tight end, and if there is routes to be run. Uh, against the the Giants, excuse me. I like Cook kind of as a G, as a GPP play. So, um, exactly. That is, I, that's pretty much it for what I've got. I had, do have one trivia question for you. Okay. Regarding the NFL, I've mentioned we have three today, um, and this is about stacks in this past year. Um, talking about the best value stack on FanDuel. So thinking back, we're talking quarterback, wide receiver. Um, who do you think is the had the greatest point total as a stack uh, with values? So we're talking lower end quarterback with a kind of an unknown wide receiver. Um, we're thinking later in the year. This is you know this is the the second half of the year. Is there any names that come to mind? Maybe in the NFC. NFC. Uh, what's that division? Well, the first one that came out to top of my head was Mariota and Matthews. Very close. Okay. They, they were pretty good. Uh, not quite as good as this stack. Uh, we're thinking um, same division as Green Bay, but not Green Bay. What's that division called? The NFC North. Central? N- oh, NFC North. Okay, so this is an NFC North team. Um, you know, I'm trying to give you some more hints, kill some more time. Are we talking Stafford-Tate? That's incorrect. Do I even have the right team? Yeah, it's incorrect as well. You got okay. one more chance before I tell you. You got one more. T- so we got, there's two teams left available. And it's a wide receiver. Correct. Is it uh, Bradford Thielen? That is correct. Okay. So that is the best value stack of the FanDuel season. Uh, that was week 16. That was the week that Thielen went over for 200 yards and two touchdowns. That stack put up 64.38 points, which works out to... 
uh, for a grand total of eleven thousand eight hundred dollars. That's all you spent on that stack. Wow. Uh, and that works out to one hundred eighty-three dollars a point, which is pretty good. You, you really. Uh, I mean, that's that's like what do you say? It costs just over eleven thousand. Yeah, eleven thousand eight hundred points. I'm sorry. And it was sixty-eight points. Sixty-four point three eight. That's like that's six times value right there, pretty much for both guys. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty huge. That's... So that was the best value stack. Now, overall, who was the best stack this year, point wise? So we're talking combined week one to week sixteen. Correct. Any team in the league. So it's not just a one week thing. It was like the total best value stack. No, this was sorry. This was a one week oh, best okay. stack in um... the season. Um, think big performances. Think. Well, career highs. Would I? I guess uh, early in the season. Really early, early in the season. Think uh, the the run that this team had against three elite defenses. Uh, kind of you know first month or so of the season. Does anything ring a bell? Uh, no. Potential MVP candidate this year. Does he currently have a broken leg? No, he does not. Okay. <laughs> he is upright. He's got a bye week heading into the playoffs. Oh, we got to be talking then. Oh, that's it's the week with Matt Ryan and Julio that Jones when, when they played Carolina. That was the highest. Good stack. hints. Thank you for the hints. That's okay. No, I I didn't I didn't prep decks uh, ahead of time, but this is kind of the, the stats I found heading into the week. So Julio and Matt Ryan. That was week four. So that was the first month of the season. That was seventy-eight point five two points between those two. I remember that week because I had Julio on my on my fantasy team this year. Yep. And that he carried watching you. him stack points like that made made it almost worth all of the weeks that he sat out or was virtually invisible on the field. I remember that week pretty fondly because that was we talked about that. That was a tough a, a supposedly tough Carolina defense. It was early in the season. Uh I think they had or Denver was maybe later on the schedule, but this was right in the midst of that three defense uh, three tough defenses yeah. in a row, I think on the road as well. So a lot of people were really hesitant to stack a, a Matt Ryan with a Julio. But for those who did, like that's 78 points. That's over you know half of your tournament winning total pretty much. You know, Right around that 200 mark, 210 probably wins you a tournament most weeks, I'd say. Yeah, um, I would say any time you can put up you know, 180 plus, you're, you're sitting pretty. And yeah, those guys themselves put up uh, put up too. So that was just a quick trivia there for you in the NFL. I've got one NHL one, which we'll get to, uh, I guess, right away here. We'll do some NHL talk. Do you okay. have anything else to add for the NFL weekend? Well, Any other tips, tricks? Not necessarily for this weekend, but okay. you did win the consolation ladder in our pool. That's correct. You're yep. picking first overall. You've earned that right next year. Thank goodness. Something came out of this terrible season. Do you have any early inklings of who you would like to take first overall? Like way too early, so fucking early, we shouldn't even be talking about it. Right. But who are you thinking? Uh, okay, my initial thought, I mean, the season that he had was incredible, and it's David Johnson. David Johnson is probably a number one back for me, which is something I lacked all year. Uh, this current year is something I, I definitely will consider. Um, it's going to be hard to pass up what Zeke Elliott did. I love Zeke. I tweeted about him being the, probably the best back in the league, so that's going to be really tough. Um, it's hard to argue with what A.B. did. He had another top wide-out season and once again. There's nothing to deny him of number one spot. Um, and I think there was a stat that I showed you that the teams that drafted running... What, what was the stat? Do you remember that on Twitter? It, I do remember. It was something like the teams that 
drafted wide receiver first. They lost more. No, they won more. They won more? They won 33% more of the leagues or something like that. Than the previous year. And teams that drafted the opposite position lost more than 14 or 15% more. So, I mean, every year we'll talk about that obviously more in depth, but... The wideout or the running back, how do you draft? Do you draft the two wideouts, no running back? I think the big problem this year was that there was a few running backs that turned out to be busts, whether it was because of injury or just because they didn't play well this year. I mean, Todd Gurley was a big one. He went high in our draft. Adrian Peterson got injured. Um, You know, so Lamar Miller kind of had some weeks where he was great and then some weeks where he wasn't, but he was... uh, he was a late first, early second round pick that was kind of disappointing. So I can see why people that drafted running backs early may not have had a great return on their investment compared to somebody who drafted Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones. Uh, we're talking, you know, not some DeAndre of the top. Hopkins. No, unfortunately, <laughs> he was a major disappointment in the wide receiver category. But Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson was great you know, pick an awesome pick. So it feels like the top end wide receivers were more reliable than the top end running backs. But then you get your kind of unknowns and Devonte Adams and Michael yep. Thomas, uh, definitely came out of nowhere to fill that top 10. So, uh, early projections. I'm, I'm early, early. I'm thinking running back. So one of David Johnson or Zeke Elliott, maybe Lev Bell. I was going to say no Lev Bell. Cause if, if it were me if sitting in your spot, year, right? If it were me sitting in your spot, I would probably assume it again, assuming he doesn't smoke weed and get suspended in the off season. Uh, he's Jeff, ready though. to go game one. I would I would probably be drafting Le'Veon Bell, but I don't know. Again, this is way too early to make that call. So yeah, we got some time to think. So and maybe we'll see if if uh, DJ that knee injury that he he uh, got in week seventeen. I know it's no surgery, but uh, it's going to be some rehab time there for. He's for, got a whole off season. They didn't even make the playoffs. For so he's David got, Johnson, exactly. He can start tomorrow. Who starts? He wants to start tomorrow. No, David Johnson starts rehab tomorrow. Oh, is that? Did you find that out? No, I'm just saying that's what he's going to do. I, I'm he sure he's got probably a already started. He probably did like Sunday night as soon as... No, nah, he was eating bonbons until today. <laughs> he's actually listening to the podcast right now, and he was like, I guess I probably should start rehab. But bonbons over like... There's so many good restaurants there in Arizona. Good food. No, was, like, he was eating candy. Mexican He's eating Spanish. candy on his couch. Get some quality food in him, not bonbons. Um... Anyways, I don't want to talk about candy. Okay. I'm not a big candy guy to begin with. So, NHL, talk about sweet as candy. <laughs> Transitions. <laughs> that's what they call it. That's a segue. Oh, that's yeah, not tra- Well, either way, um, sweet as candy, these rookies in the NHL, I'm still, we talk about it all the time, but these rookies are holding their own. Both rookies, Line A and Austin Matthews, have now reached 20 goals. Uh, Matthews, is, I think he's got a seven-game point streak going on. He's had multiple points in, in two or three straight games. He is He's looking mighty fine. Line A's kind of cooled off since the last time we've talked. But uh, just these two guys, you know, they're keeping Toronto in that playoff push, uh, surprisingly. Uh, there was a good winter, or sorry, Centennial Classic. Let's get that right. Not the Winter Classic. That was a great game there with Detroit uh, there on New York. New, was it New Year's Eve, New Year's Day? New Year's Day. New Year's Day, and then the Chicago and St. Louis played the day after. But yeah, um, yeah just these these rookies continue to impress me. And uh, if you're in a keeper league, you've got them for years to come. Congratulations! Yeah, you should be really happy about that. There's lots of good players to choose from that are you know just getting their start in the league, and even some second year players that are um, really Nick Ehlers of Winnipeg. We just yeah. talked about, or I guess you kind of went against him, Fanduel wise, last night. He torched uh, Vasilevsky. 
Uh, Ehlers is looking really good, almost a point of game player. I like him a lot too. Yeah, he's looking really good on what is a fairly bad team, and I don't know why they're a bad team. But they've Winnipeg, got talent. They've got they've got tons of talent, but they they play bad on the road, and for some reason they can't seem to score goals at a consistent clip. Like they'll have games like last night where, like you said, I bet against them, and I played Vasilevsky on Fanduel, and they they light him up. Yeah, and then they're probably going to come out and lay a couple eggs this week, and you know they're not going to have any points. So the goaltending still baffles me too. Well, and the, yes, their goaltending is their major Achilles heel. But they, they that team baffles me. They should be way better than they are. Um, I'm surprised that they you know they didn't go for like Yarrow Halak when he got waived this week. Yeah, well, and again, maybe we had that conversation a while back, but maybe his salary is getting into things. I think he's making three and a half mil this year. Well, I can see why his salary would be a factor in the decision making for the Islanders. I mean, they have allegedly three goalies that they really liked, and so you know what was the major differentiator is that they owed Yarrow Halak starter money when they didn't really know if they wanted him to be a starter. Yeah, but that's not to say that that he's not worth that money necessarily because he could go to another team where he would be a starter and earn that three and a half million dollars. But is he a starter in Winnipeg? I think maybe compared to Hellebuck and Hutchison, Hutchison, yeah. I think they like they like probably they probably like Halak over Hutchison, but they they still love Hellebuck. And I don't know why, because he's still, he's young and he's got yeah. potential, but I don't know if he's a starter yet. He's not like a John Gibson. No, he, I'm not even gonna say I don't know if he's a starter. He's clearly not a starter yet. Not yet. He, I think he'd be a good backup. Let's say play 32 games a year. Give a starter fifty games. That's what they've been doing with Vasilevsky. We've talked about that too. Yeah. Vasilevsky's really come along slow. He's only twenty one. I'm really shocked to hear that he's only twenty one. Vasilevsky there in Tampa Bay. He's been there at least a couple years. They've groomed him alongside Ben Bishop, and now look, Ben Bishop's out, and they look to be okay with Vasilevsky. Well, and and the reason that they're doing that is because they like Vasilevsky and they have every reason to. He's very good for a young goalie. He makes some mistakes, has some bad games here and there. Yeah. But um you know, when this expansion draft rolls around, they won't be able to protect both of them and if one of them was exposed, for sure Vegas is taking one of those guys. 100%. For sure. Yeah, and they're they get... probably not doing the same with any of the Islanders goalies. No, I mean, it wouldn't be a no-brainer like it would be with Tampa Bay. I mean, if when you get all the protected player lists and let's say Tampa Bay re-signed Ben Bishop in the offseason, you're going to immediately go to Tampa Bay, their protected player list, and you're going to see who they left exposed. Whether yep. it's Bishop or Vasilevsky, that's going to be probably your number one. Exactly. Right? Just looking around. the And then Pittsburgh might be the other one. Mm-hmm. Fleury Detroit. Murray. Maybe Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, not so much, though. I think I'd rather have Vasilevsky. Oh, for sure. No, like, I, but I, so that's why they're getting Vasilevsky ready, is so that they can cut loose with cut or cut Ben Bishop loose. Yeah, and they can have Vasilevsky back next year as their starter, and they don't have to worry about who they're going to protect and who's going to get sniped from them for for nothing. There's the an embarrassment draft. of riches there for the goalies uh, yeah. for that Vegas team. So it's going to be interesting to see. We'll talk about that more as the the new season for them uh, gets closer. The you know the team that's not having any issues scoring, keeping the puck out of their net. They're winning. All they do is win is the Columbus Blue Jackets, up to 16 straight after last night's victory over the Edmonton Oilers. They are on fire, um, and they're getting great goaltending, playing a really good team defense. And the trivia question I had with Columbus um, was, this is, I guess, number three. We had two NFL. This is the third one for you, Dexie. 
coming, you know, coming at you blind here. But okay. they have four players currently in the top 25 in scoring, which I found that kind of hard to believe. That's pretty impressive. They're very, very balanced scoring. Uh, I'm asking you, can you name all four? Uh, Wenberg? Correct. Felino. Correct. Um, Atkinson? That is correct. We got one more. This fourth one's going to be a bit of a Atkinson noodle scratcher. Atkinson is sixth in the league in scoring, which is that's really incredible. Uh, uh, the last one. Is, is he a forward or a defenseman? He's a forward, correct. Okay. Um, I think he's a top. He's obviously a top six guy. Winger. I don't know. I give up. Brandon Saad. I should have known that. Brandon Saad. I was going to say former Chicago Blackhawk. Um, yeah, if you had said that, it would have made it too easy, though. Yeah, I, I, you you gave up too easy, though. <laughs> so I I, well, I, you, you know, the... I didn't want to drag on the podcast with me humming <laughs> and hawing over here. No, the listeners love that. I, I watched the game last night when they were playing the Oilers, and they just look really, really good. I mean, they made Connor McDavid look like an average guy. And and that's hard to do. He's he's what he's second in the league in scoring right now, right behind Crosby. I think him. Well, actually, Malkin. Him and Malkin are tied for the top. They're and tied. Cros- yeah, Malkin's kind of kind of come out of nowhere with the assists. Uh, Crosby's got the goals, but Malkin's got assists out of the wazoo, and now he's he's tied. Well, in any Mc- case, Connor McDavid is a yeah. top three, top five scorer in the league, yeah. depending on what day of the week you look at the standings. Uh, they made him look really average yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got a couple of his phantom Connor McDavid calls that he only gets because his name is Connor McDavid. And if you if you fart in the same arena as him, you might get a tripping penalty against <laughs> you. I, I hate that about star players in the NHL, but it is what it is. Um, even then, they couldn't capitalize. They had a really good penalty kill. Um, when they were on the power play, they were moving the puck around. They looked really good. They're five on five. They dominated the Oilers. The Oilers could hardly get any shots on net last night. They yeah. started the third period strong, and Columbus weathered the push. And then the game was basically over. It's like Edmonton used up all the gas in the tank. That first power play of Columbus is apparently what is it's one of the key factors in this 16-game win streak. Uh, the fact that they... they they score within the first minute of that power play before they even get to the second unit. That Atkinson is he is getting a lot of power play time and making the most of it. They've got Sam Gagne as they're talking about him being like a, a power play specialist. They've got him on the fourth line, but then he plays first line power play minutes, and that's a, a trend that some teams and some analysts are are starting to you know kind of see in the future. Is these guys that are super talented, but they're not. I don't know. They're not top six guys per se but they're getting fourth line minutes or third line minutes and they're getting top line power play and for you know Gagne's kind of had a really resurgent career there in Columbus we've got Atkinson we mentioned Felino's come back after his he had a really down year last year but he's showing that his 70 point you know season two years ago isn't totally a fluke uh Wanberg they're really high on him that's why they moved Ryan Johansson out uh, to be kind of a number one center there. So they really like Wanberg and, and Saad has really fit in uh, second year there in Columbus as a winger. So depth scoring is huge. They're getting gold Tony Bobrovsky's looking excellent. Top five goalie this year, no doubt about it, uh, without even question. So it's a very solid team and definitely something I did not see head into the, the season. So Yeah, no, I mean, they've been mediocre ever since they came into the league and now all of a sudden they're tearing it up. And another thing is, this is interesting. They don't do morning skates. Is that right? They don't do morning skates. Okay. So um, actually, Scotty Hartnell was getting interviewed last night um, in one of the intermissions, and he was talking about how 
when they show up at the rink for the game in the evening, that's the first time they've seen the guys during the day, other than maybe at the hotel or if they had a team breakfast or whatever. But yeah. it's basically like the, you're walking in and you're ready to start your day. You're going to work and you get prepared and your whole day is getting prepared for this. Whereas he said, you know, and and he said it just has this energy about it. And, you know, I can kind of see where that comes from. I mean, think of your day-to-day job. If you were to come in in the morning and you worked for a couple hours and then you had to go home for let's say six hours yep. and then come back and actually do your full, sh- like your, the yeah. rest of your shift. You're doing a night shift, let's say. That would really suck. That'd be a really shitty job. Yeah. That'd be a terrible job because you come in for a couple hours, you see everybody, you probably can't really do a whole lot of value. I mean, I think of our job, if they were to say, come in for a couple hours, you can do a couple things, but I don't know if you're really going to accomplish a whole lot no. that would make you feel like you had a really great day at work. Um, and then you got to come in again and, and now you have to actually work. Like this is focused... So it's like, what's the point of the beginning stuff, right? You're going to phone in your morning skate and then you got to try and squeeze a nap in there and and a good meal, but you don't want to eat too close to the game. You're thinking about all of this. Whereas with them, it's like you wake up and your preparation for your, your work shift, your game starts that morning, but you have all day to kind of, you know, everybody has a different, you know, formula to success. Maybe somebody has a nap right before the game. Maybe somebody likes to sleep in. Who fucking cares? Columbus has clearly figured that out. That's cool. And it's clearly working for them. I did which not is know kind that of prior to today, so that's good. Yeah. They're so, one game away from the record, uh, but they got a tough schedule. I think they face, I want to say they face Washington on the road, and they face the Rangers in the next couple games. So if this streak is going to continue, it's going to have to go through some tough opponents. They're so going to earn it. They have to earn it. So that's going to be interesting to see. Definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, I want to quickly add some NBA talk in here. Uh the season of Russell Westbrook triple doubles is already here, and he's been great. Although he has slowed down, you know, actually quite a bit. He hasn't gotten a triple double in a few games. He's had like a twenty-five, seven, and six line. So I don't know if that season average of a triple double is going to come to to uh, fruition. But the guy I want to talk about is Harden, and we've we 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 talked about his salary being you know increased. But these past few games has been insane for him. He's got three straight triple-doubles, nine on the season, so he's definitely behind Russell Westbrook. But the line he put up on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, excuse me. Did you see this line? I didn't. Okay, I will read it out. I mean, this is old news, obviously, but 53 points, 16 rebounds, and 17 assists for a whopping 81 points on ESPN. We're talking over 100 on FanDuel. That's... Maybe the turnovers bring that down, but that line, that's the first in NBA history to have 50 points, 15 rebounds, and, fi- and over 15 assists. So that's I mean, insane. That team relies on him so, so, so much for all of their offense. I mean, I, I don't know if the Houston Rockets are even a respectable NBA team without James Harden. He's got to be in the MVP, like probably the favorite right now. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be up there. I think it's going to come down to records in terms of, like, if if they're going to make the playoffs, I think the Rockets are going to make the playoffs. And that's going to be a huge factor compared to guys like Westbrook, whose team may not make the playoffs. If they get 45 wins uh, and, you know, Westbrook averages a triple-double, do you give them the MVP? Um, I think you go with individual stats for the MVP. Uh just because who's most valuable so yeah who's who's the most valuable player it's not who's the most valuable team player it's not who's the most valuable teammate it's not who makes the people around them the best it's who's the most valuable player 
So I think you got to go with individual stats. Although it would be very hard if you were one of the voting members of the MVP selection committee to ignore a team's success and how an individual influenced that. But I think you have to just look at individual stats. It's going to be a really tough MVP race coming down the wire there for the NBA. So that's a quick wrap there on NBA. That's a wrap on our show. we got to get out of here. Uh, our producer is coming back as we speak. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're back. We're going to probably do a show a week, I think, what Dex and I discussed. So yeah. we will be back sometime next week. Uh, we're going to wrap up the divisional playoffs in the NFL, talk about the semifinal. No, what do they call it? Divisional? Does it go semifinal? I don't know what they call don't, it. But the next, the round, next of the playoffs, round of the playoffs, we will talk about it. Talk about Patriots, Chiefs, all that good stuff. Have a great weekend. If you're going to play some FanDuel, head to keytothegame.com. Find our five free entries for beginner contests. Uh, all of our links, all of our articles have that link as well. So thanks so much for joining us. For Dex Dunford, I'm Colby McKee. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for downloading this episode of Key to the Game. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and visit keytothegame.com for past episodes and in-depth articles.